The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. This is Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Today's program, I want to do something a little bit different than I've done uh, throughout the entire history of this program. I want to look back in time and see how politicians follow up on their promises that they make in a very public forum. In fact, I want to go to the 2020 debate, the second debate between President Trump and Joe Biden and see what they answered in terms of the key questions of the time and see how they actually followed up on it, or in this case, how President Biden followed up on it since he was elected after this debate. But let's look back in time and see what both President Trump at the time and then the challenger Joe Biden, who's the current president, what did they say and what did they promise and what did they indicate they were going to do relative to critical issues of our time? Now, let's start with uh, going back to 2020 when we were still in the throes of the COVID problem. Now, that has continued on, and we're still now almost, you know, two, three years later, we're still talking about masks in some states. We're still talking about vaccines. We've gone through this horrible process of not allowing people to maintain their job, kick them out of the military, and and shame people who aren't getting uh, vaccinations uh, under the Biden administration's rules and the, the serious controversies and conflicts that occurred at the Center for Disease Control over um, Dr. Fauci's recommendations and the changes that were going on. So let's go back and first hear about the question about uh, President Trump. Uh, what has he done and how he would move forward if he was reelected as president, which of course, we know that didn't happen. But what was he going to do about COVID uh, should he be reelected? And then we'll hear what now President Biden said he would do. And let's follow up and see if he actually did what he promised. We have a vaccine that's coming. It's ready. It's going to be announced within weeks and it's going to be delivered. We have uh, Operation Warp Speed, which is the military is going to distribute the vaccine. I can tell you from personal experience that uh, I was in the hospital, I had it, and I got better. And I will tell you that uh, I had something that they gave me, a therapeutic, I guess they would call it. Some people could say it was a cure. But uh, I was in for a short period of time, and I got better very fast, or I wouldn't be here tonight. And now they say I'm immune. Whether it's four months or a lifetime, nobody's been able to say that, but I'm immune. It will go away, and as I say, we're rounding the turn, we're rounding the corner. It's going away. So let me summarize what uh, President Trump uh, was saying about how he would handle. Now, I've obviously sliced and diced his comments a little bit, but I've got the key parts of what he said uh, he would do with a a second term relative to COVID. Um, I think what he's saying is that he would... Uh, focus on getting the vaccines out and distributed. He's got the distribution system all set up with uh, military uh, logistics officers who know how to get stuff out and about and to the people. Um, He's focusing on therapeutics because he experienced that himself when he had COVID and went into the hospital. So it's not just vaccines, but it's therapies as well. And I think in that therapy, he's also talking about with his recovery 
that he has natural immunity. That was a key part of uh, what was happening in retrospect among the states that he was talking about, Texas, Florida, Arizona. They were doing more in terms of recognizing natural immunity. Uh, he didn't say yet in this part about how he would focus on the elderly, which is where the mortality was the highest and our biggest risk as a country was for losing people uh, from this. But let's now turn and see what um, uh, now President Biden said that he would do once he got in office, and we'll follow up to see if uh, what he's saying is what he actually um, uh, put into place. 220,000 Americans dead. Anyone who's responsible for that many deaths should not remain as president of the United States of America. If we just wore these masks, the president's own advisors have told him, we could save 100,000 lives. What I would do is make sure we have everyone encouraged to wear a mask all the time. I would make sure we move in the direction of rapid testing, investing in rapid testing. I would make sure that we set up national standards as to how to open up schools and open up businesses so they can be safe and give them the wherewithal, the financial resources to be able to do that. And so, folks, I will take care of this. I will end this. I will make sure we have a plan. So let's unpack uh, President uh, Biden's plan as he proposed it during this 2020 presidential debate. Uh, he's basically saying that um, uh, he'll focus on masks, which he clearly did. Everybody was wearing masks. Um, most of us now know that the masks were not uh, particularly helpful in uh, limiting the transmission. It might um, help yourself to some degree, but it really wasn't helping the transmission. If you were going to get it, you get it probably through your eyes, but it, masks shown to be uh, very um, unworthy and in, inappropriate in actually doing it as much as the President uh, Biden has said it would during the debate. Uh, he said we wear them all the time. And so we had people covered up. We now know that, for example, wearing Mass for little children at school was very detrimental to their education, to their learning processes. And while President Trump had indicated the spikes in areas like Florida, I happen to live in Florida. We didn't wear masks all the time. We didn't, uh, we cut it short, uh, shortly after the vaccines were available. And it helped to create, I think, a natural immunity that Trump was promoting. Um, President Biden said he'd do testing. Yes, the testing kits were all put out. We all got an opportunity to get them. But when we got them, what were we going to do when we got positive tests? Uh, the Biden administration was not focusing on the therapeutics that Trump suggested. They were just focusing on testing. So you found out that you had it. But if you didn't have developed some natural immunity, if you were younger, if you were healthy, you didn't have a problem. But if you were older, you were being put into um, uh, hospitals where you went to a large degree to die. And if you didn't die, they put you back into the nursing homes that you may have come from and you spread the, the uh, uh, virus that way. So his approach was pretty inadequate. He also talked about opening up schools and businesses. Well, it turned out when he became president, he didn't open up schools. In fact, uh, they shut down mainly because he's so, so strongly supported by the teachers unions that they didn't want to be exposed to the children who were not shown in any scientific way to be able to pass along the COVID virus. And the teachers then were also demanding before they opened up schools that 
their pension plans be increased, that school size be decreased. A lot of the political issues that the teachers unions have been fighting for, uh, they had the control of the Biden administration when he took over in January of 2021. So his idea of opening up businesses and schools never really came to pass. In fact, his policies prevented that from happening as soon as it should have. Because on the business side, he kept focusing on the uh, masking. And if people weren't vaccinated at that point, then they weren't allowed to go back to work. He was keeping them from hospitals. People who were helping people in the hospitals during COVID, who were raised up as being these great saviors. Well, once Biden got in office, those people who had been working the front lines and had natural immunities in most cases, they didn't want to get a vaccine. And he told the hospitals they would have to be fired or they wouldn't get federal funding. So you can see how things were distorted, that there were glimpses of what he was going to do, but nobody really understood the extreme points at which he was going to go to implement the policies You know, at the end of his comments, he also said that he would have a plan, which means he didn't have a plan at the time. He was just following along after he got elected with what some of his his uh, constituents or his lobbyists and his special interests were telling him to do is mostly his special interests, in particular, uh, the school boards uh, that were keeping schools closed based upon teacher recommendations and teacher unions, which are so strongly a part of the Democratic Party. Let's listen to a follow-up of now President Biden's comments about how he sees the vaccines, as an example, uh, developing and being available. He certainly hits the Trump administration for not having a plan, not distributing it, and President Trump at the time outlined how he would use the military to do that. But let's see how optimistic President Biden is around the use of vaccines. To go into a dark winter, a dark winter, and he has no clear plan and there's no prospect that there's going to be a vaccine available for the majority of the American people before the middle of next year. Well, what actually happened? Trump was right. The vaccine was available before the end of the year and the Biden administration being elected got the benefit of uh, and the credit, if you will, of actually having it distributed to the entire country the way Trump had already outlined and planned for. So let's hear Trump's comment uh, relative to uh, Biden's thought that we're going to have this dark winter. Have a dark winter and at all. We're opening up our country. We've learned and studied and understand the disease, which we didn't at the beginning. When I closed and banned China from coming in heavily infected and then ultimately Europe, But China was in January. Months later, he was saying I was xenophobic. I did it too soon. Now he's saying, oh, I should have, uh, I should have, you know, moved quicker. But he didn't move quicker. He was months behind me, many months behind me. So in many ways, what President Trump said was the truth. We got the vaccines in time. We didn't have to have a dark winter. Um, People were getting vaccinated. It was a voluntary basis. People who had COVID that were younger and had natural immunity uh, resisted getting it. But the Biden administration pushed and pushed and pushed and had people even kicked out of the military, kicked out of hospitals, kept kept out of kept out of uh, any government uh, agencies that they were employed by because they didn't get a vaccine, even though they had natural immunity. And I want to point to one other thing that was mentioned early on by Biden during this debate. He said that there were 200,000 deaths and nobody should be reelected president 
who had that happen on their watch. Well, as it turns out, since Biden was elected, the first two years after Biden was elected, we had a lot, lot more deaths than we ever uh, thought even possible under the Trump administration. In fact, as of 2023, we had over 1.1 million deaths in the United States. So under the Biden administration, there were like 900,000 deaths uh, based on his policies as opposed to Trump policies of 200,000. So the whole idea of trying to protect the country wasn't uh, put into place. Biden didn't have a plan during the debate, and he certainly didn't implement a plan that was effective in preventing deaths. But you did have states, and it was mainly the red states, Florida, Texas, Arizona, and many other uh, red states that allowed the natural immunity, what at the time some referred to as herd immunity. Everybody got the, a low level of COVID, protect the vulnerable, the elderly, and those with multiple healthcare problems. That was ultimately the key, not wearing masks. Masks were kind of a silly thing because we found out later on the masks that were being recommended uh, didn't do anything. They weren't the, what were called the um, uh, N, uh, N95 masks. We were all using these simple uh, surgical masks that might be helpful in some circumstances, but they weren't uh, preventing any kind of a COVID transmission. So that's the beginning of the debate. I want to continue this because now we can look back and we can see who is telling the truth and who wasn't telling the truth. And with President Biden, we can see what the policies he was indicating might be implemented and how uninformed he actually was. But he's a good politician. He was making his case to the American public who were gullible. And with the support of the media, he was not exposed for the uh, distortions that he was presenting. So let's take a quick commercial break. I want to come back with this retrospect on the 2020 debate between President Biden and President Trump. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. I am back. Let's talk Venezuelan with Josie Cruz and friends every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. only on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are taking a fascinating look back at the 2020 debate between President Trump at the time, and now President Biden, to see what they were saying to tell us, to give us a glimpse of how honest they were to begin with and answering questions about their their intent going forward, what the policies, what the practices, what the strategies were. And the reason I want to do this is, first of all, recognize that this may very well be the matchup we see in 2024. It may not be, but the second reason uh, to look at this and find it fascinating is to take a look back at politicians, especially Joe Biden, on what he said and what he ultimately implemented. Did he tell the truth about what he's doing? Did he give an indication as he was answering questions about what we would ultimately see and some of the extreme policies that he would ultimately implement? Was that 
evident during the debate? Did he give enough of a hint? Did we overlook hints? Did he say what he was actually going to do? So that's what I want to take a look at. So let's talk about and and see how Biden answered the question, what are your strategies? You talked about some of the failings and some of the things you might do in terms of wearing masks and testing in the earlier segment we had. But what is your strategy going forward? What is it that you really want to see the country do? And then we'll also hear uh, from then President Trump. More social distancing. Do not open bars and do not open gymnasiums. Do not open until you get this under control, under more control. But when you do open, give the people the capacity to be able to open and have the capacity to do it safely. For example, schools. Schools, they need a lot of money to open. They need to deal with ventilation systems. They need to deal with smaller classes, more teachers, more pods. And he's refused to support that money. This exchange is actually very interesting to hear Biden's response. He focuses on bars, gyms, and schools. And certainly the bars and gyms were things that made news when all sorts of, of plexiglass was put in to separate people, wearing masks, uh, uh, doubling the size of a gym so they can spread out the equipment. All sorts of things were happening. He didn't mention hairdressers, which wound up being another topic that people had a difficult time getting uh, getting uh, uh, their personal uh, care taken um, into effect in, in a large part of this uh, program that Biden ultimately implemented. But he also mentioned schools, and we know at this point, what he did about schools, he didn't open them up. In fact, I have a daughter who opened up some private Christian schools in Georgia, and they were inundated with new applicants because the schools were shut down and parents didn't want their schools to be shut down. They wanted the kids educated. Uh, They might both be working as parents and needed to have the kids uh, continue their education. They couldn't uh, take the time or didn't have the opportunity to do homeschooling. So we know what also happened there was it wasn't just about opening up the schools and giving more money for ventilation. It was he wouldn't open up schools because it was controlled by the teachers unions, which wanted more money into their pension plans and wanted different benefits increased so they could uh, be financially benefiting from the a lockdown of schools. And the Biden administration uh, uh, followed up with the um teachers' unions' recommendations and kept schools closed down far more than any science would have indicated. And we know that because in the state of Florida and other states, the schools were opened up, people went back to schools, and there was not the calamity that the Biden administration was promoting once they got elected about keeping schools closed. So let's listen to President Trump's comments about Biden saying he was going to shut down, he's going to have masks, and he wants more money for these programs. Let's do it in a different way than what Trump was already doing in terms of vaccines and therapeutics. Let's listen to Trump's response because I believe we will find that what he said is the actual truth as opposed to the distortions and the hyperactive comments uh, that really were not true by President Biden uh, at the time of this debate. Look, all he does is talk about shutdowns, but forget about him. His Democrat governors, Cuomo in New York, you look at what's going on in California, you look at Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Democrats, Democrats all, they're shut down so tight and they're dying. They're dying. And he supports all these people. All he talks about is shutdowns. No, we're not going to shut down and we have to open our schools. And it's like, as an example, I have a young son. He also tested positive 
By the time I spoke to the doctor the second time, he was fine. It just went away. Young people, I guess it's their immune system. So listening to all this around COVID, you can see who was right and who was wrong. Who had the best instincts, the best insight as to how this was going to transpire and how we could actually deal with and live through the COVID period? Did President Biden's policies help our country? Did it divide our country? Did it get into anti-vaxxers and people getting fired from their jobs because the government under Biden didn't accept natural immunity that Trump was trying to promote, that the Biden administration didn't accept that children were not uh, going to get uh, sick any more than a virus? Did the Democrats actually think that the real problem was the elderly and people with uh, multiple uh, health care uh, conditions with comorbid uh, conditions that would uh, put them more at risk. Uh, that's what Trump was saying. Biden wasn't recognizing that. And look what happened during those two years. We had over a million people die, most of whom, the vast majority of whom, died under President Biden's guidance once he got elected. So let's move on to the next question, because I think we can now see how politicians work. They make it sound good. They reach out to the public with language that is distorting but doesn't give away their whole hand. But in retrospect, we can see the inklings, the comments, that if you take those to the extreme and they're actually implemented to the extreme, how dangerous they can be. Okay, I can't help it. Let's let's listen to then-President Donald Trump talk about how his strategy would work and how he would target uh, the ongoing concerns and solutions to COVID uh, if he is reelected. We have to protect our seniors. We have to protect our elderly. We have to protect especially our seniors with heart problems and diabetes problems. And we will protect them. We have the best testing in the world by far. That's why we have so many cases. Well, it seems like if you look at the substance of what's presented during that second debate, there's no doubt that Trump had the answers and the solutions of what we ultimately uh, found out years later. As we went through the shutdowns, we went through the masking, we went through the this uh, allowing people to go to work, firing people from the military, firing people from hospitals, uh, keeping our kids out of school. We found out the dangers of the um, depression, the lack of learning, the falling behind in education that occurred when Biden implemented his policy. So in retrospect, I think it's pretty clear who would have handled the last couple of years a whole lot better relative to the COVID uh, virus. So let's change gears and analyzing these two candidates uh, on who's telling the truth and who's giving indication what their policies might be uh, relative to national security. Now, the question that came up during the debate was more around the national security concerns about outside international influences, particularly from Russia and Iran. Let's hear how President, now President Biden responds to the question about international influences on the U.S. election. I made it clear, and I ask everyone else to take the pledge. I made it clear that any country, no matter who it is, that interferes in American elections will pay a price. They will pay a price. And it's been overwhelmingly clear this election, I won't even get into the last one, this election, that Russia has been involved, China has been involved to some degree, and now we learn that, that, uh, that uh, Iran is involved. They will pay a price if I'm elected. They're interfering with American sovereignty. That's what's going on right now. They're interfering with American sovereignty. But the point is this, folks. 
We are in a situation where we have foreign company countries trying to interfere in the outcome of our election. Any country that interferes with us will, in fact, pay a price because they're affecting our sovereignty. Isn't it interesting to listen to that? Because there was actually a Freudian slip there. He talked about foreign companies first before he corrected himself to say countries. When he knew, in fact, that Twitter and Facebook and Google, all those were working in favor of the Democratic Party, putting in millions and millions of Zuckerbucks to influence the outcome of the U.S. election. We also found that Twitter was being run by far leftists that were supporting his candidacy and were silencing American voices. He knows that the uh, Department of Justice, the FBI, had his son Hunter Biden's laptop that showed the kind of collusion and family corruption of the Bidens relative to China, and that the mayor of uh, Moscow had given Hunter Biden $3 million, but yet he's talking about uh, interference of foreign countries somehow in favor of Trump, when in fact they were in favor of Biden and the whole establishment, the deep state that Trump had been fighting was in fact holding back information that would have influenced the election. 17% of voters, including most Democrats in that number, were willing to change their vote if they knew about the Hunter Biden laptop and the Biden campaign and the administration and ex-officials in the Obama administration were saying this was Russia disinformation when in fact they knew that it was not. And it's been well proven since then that none of that was Russian influence. So it's fascinating to listen to the lies and distortion and the obfuscation that occurs when a presidential candidate is desperate to win and gain that power and tries to blame somebody else. Now, let's listen clearly to this debate response about foreign influence and Biden's response to the charges that he and his family have received money from Russia, from China, from Ukraine, a lot of corruption going on all the way back to when he was vice president and selling his influence through his son, through his brother, through his sister. Listen to this comment and then see where we are today and the knowledge we have about him. I have not taken a penny from any foreign source ever in my life. We learned that this president paid 50 times the tax in China, has a secret bank account with China, does business in China, and in fact is talking about me taking money. I have not taken a single penny from any country whatsoever, ever. You know, listening to these debate answers in retrospect, to me at least, it just shows that Republicans underestimated the political skills of Joe Biden. Notice that when he answered this last question about the corruption of his family, he says he didn't take any money directly. Well, he took it indirectly uh, through his family, and we still think he is the big guy that's mentioned in the emails that gets 10%. Uh, but his own administration now, of course, is preventing any um, real investigation of that. Notice he also, in these uh, debates, um, he changes the subject. He went on in his answer here to talk about Trump not 
uh, producing any tax return information. He went on to talk about the businesses that Trump has around the world in both China and Russia. And he's getting money through business uh, activities and and uh, building of golf courses, golf courses and buildings. Uh, that's entirely different making money from your business enterprises than if you're getting um, uh, money from these governments uh, because you're selling your influence as a politician. So it's fascinating to look back. I hope our audience is interested in this kind of review of what politicians say and what they do and how they lie and how they distort and how they obfuscate, how they how they um, use words uh, that can't really come back to, to haunt them uh, because of the way they phrase their language. But also notice that in this case, Biden talks more about people and Trump talks more about policy and finances. It's an entirely different approach to winning over people. So let's take a quick commercial break, and I want to come back and I want to delve into some other answers they made in 2020, because I think we're going to see something similar in 2024. Veteran-owned, America's Web Radio would like to thank all of our incredible patrons. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you are not already a patron, you can help us continue to produce some of the most informative and entertaining shows on the Internet by becoming a patron. Patrons of America's Web Radio are the first to receive information about new shows and links to the latest podcast episodes. Join now and receive a free gift while supplies last. For more information and to join our family, please visit www.patreon.com slash America's Web Radio. If you have questions, contact us at gm at americaswebradio.com. And as always, thank you for listening. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor show. Remember folks, I'm not angry, I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the americasbroadcastnetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Today we are delving into the past to understand the future, to look back at politicians and people stating what they believe are facts that are now we know that are lies and distortions. And so I went back to the 2020 presidential debate between President Trump and now President Biden. So we can see what they said, when they said, how they said it. And hindsight, we can now know a little bit more of what the facts and truths were compared to what they said back then. So one of the topics that obviously was interest back then was Ukraine. Now, we didn't have the Russian attack on Ukraine back then, but there was a lot of controversy about President Biden um, and his son, at uh, the Burisma um, Energy Company getting payments and the potential corruption or at least the uh, perception of corruption that occurred when Biden went to Ukraine and and had the prosecutor who was looking into his son's activities fired. He was a corrupt politician uh, to begin with, prosecutor, and it seemed to work in Biden's favor that he did something wrong, but the person that he had fired probably was a corrupt Ukraine politician. So let's hear and see what Biden says uh, said then about Ukraine and his son's involvement, which we now know he was getting 
$83,000 a month. He was getting a payment of $3 million from the, the mayor of Moscow's wife. And let's see how they covered up that fact and ignored the reality of the uh, Hunter Biden laptop uh, evidence that now everybody knows is true. Nobody is denying the truth of it, although they were back then. But let's listen to Biden and then Trump's response uh, on the issue of Ukraine as it existed in 2020. Nothing was unethical. Here's what the deal. With regard to Ukraine, we had this whole question about whether or not, because he was on the board, I later learned of a Burisma, a company, that somehow I had done something wrong. Yet every single solitary person when he was going through his impeachment, testifying under oath who worked for him, said, I did my job impeccably. I carried out U.S. policy. Not one single solitary thing was out of line. Not a single thing, number one. Number two, the guy who got in trouble in Ukraine was this guy trying to bribe the Ukrainian government to say something negative about me, which they would not do and did not do because it never, ever, ever happened. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about, China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. I want our audience to reflect carefully on what Joe Biden just said and how expert a politician he is to avoid the truth of what actually is occurring and what the question was related to about his son and Burisma and taking money from foreign interests. First of all, she was asked if it was appropriate or unethical. He says there was nothing inappropriate about it uh, or unethical about it. He, he only picked out part of that, um, but in fact it is uh, and was inappropriate, even if you can say, well, it might have not been ethical, um, that has to be charged more, but it was certainly inappropriate. Notice he talks about experts. Well, they were Democratic experts who were going to justify what he did and say, well, it was perfect and there's nothing wrong because they are all Democrats that he's referring to as experts as if they're uh, nonpartisan experts. He also mentions uh, that the person who supposedly is the real problem was Trump, and part of the impeachment that they put him through was because of a phone call he made trying to be sure that um, things were on the up and up, and if there was a problem there, they should now be investigating it, and he was impeached for that. But in fact, there were problems, and the impeachment process is what Joe is referring to, which was a hoax. It was the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, and then Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. And so all that's really fake information that he's putting out there. And then he talks about that his son didn't make any money from China. Well, we certainly know that he knew about it. He took his son over to China when he was on a trip to meet with business leaders and and, and Communist Party members in order to set up a deal uh, for himself and his family. So we know that's all lies, but notice how he very glibly uh, gets through that and points the figure, finger back to Trump. And it works, and it worked, and that's how got, he got elected because he was able to distort, and the media certainly doesn't come back at him and prove him wrong. They just sort of accept what he puts out there and actually supports it. If you listen to the whole debate, you'll see how the moderator keeps jumping in on Trump but never jumps in on Biden. And if Trump says something, 
they ask Biden for a response. But if Biden makes some claim, Trump is the one that has to come back and say, well, wait, let me give you some clarification on that. So it's absolutely amazing to me how good a politician, how good a talker, how good an obfuscator of the real facts and a distorter of facts uh, Joe Biden is. You know, audience, next question that the moderator asked Trump, she obviously has done more digging in. The media has looked more into Trump's business affairs than into the Biden family affairs in Ukraine and China and Russia. So she asks Trump now about his business dealings where he has business bank accounts in China and see how she was indicating that he is the one that's corrupt, not Joe Biden, by asking the question. It is a very purposeful uh, questioning about a topic that really has no place in this discussion, in my opinion, uh, isn't a clarifying question, but it's an accusatory question. So let's listen to Trump's answer about his bank accounts in China and whether or not he is corrupted because he holds some bank accounts on a business that runs worldwide. And he, he doesn't have any uh, financial links to the Communist Party. It's a business enterprise that he runs. I have many bank accounts, and they're all listed, and they're all over the place. I mean, I was a businessman doing business. The bank account you're referring to, which is everybody knows about it, it's listed. The bank account was in 2013. That's what it was. It was opened and do, it was closed in 2015, I believe. And then I decided, because I was going to do, I was thinking about doing a deal in China, like millions of other people. I was thinking about it, and I decided I'm not going to do it. Didn't like it. I decided not to do it. Had an account open, and I closed it. And then, unlike him, where he's vice president and he does business, I then decided to run for president after that. That was before. So I closed it before I even ran for president. Again, I want our audience to understand the subtle differences that were going on in 2020 by the liberal moderator. She brings up um, foreign contributions from the Biden family, but lets him get away with just pointing his finger back to Trump for unrelated issues uh, that are fully disclosed where his son and his dealings were pretty much hidden and the media had no interest in delving into any of that. But of course, from the question, you know that the media had delved into Trump's business relationships because they were public, because they were out there. She knew that those business relationships, those banking relationships were terminated before he even ran for president in 2016. But the idea is to create some moral equivalence that he had some bank accounts in China. He had something to do with China as well as Biden. So it kind of cancels itself out. But they did that purposefully. Now, let's go back and see what she does in terms of asking additional questions of Biden about his Chinese involvement and how he distorts, again, the situation to his own political advantage. What I'd make China do is play by the international rules. And what's he do? He embraces guys like the thugs like in North Korea and and uh, and the Chinese president and Putin and others. And he pokes his finger in the eye of all of our friends, all of our allies. We make up only we were 25 percent, 25 percent of the world's economy. We need to be having the rest of our friends with us saying to China, these are the rules. You play by them or you're going to pay the price for not paying by them economically. That's the way I will run it. And that's what we did in upholding steel tariffs and a range of other things when we were president and vice president. 
Oh, just relative to the question that was asked, Biden didn't answer anything except point to Trump, that Trump didn't do this, Trump didn't do that. Trump is the one who stopped people flying in from China. He's the one who put on uh, tariffs on China. Um, and Biden seems to want to take credit for uh, whatever minor tariff they might have put on for steel, but it was really the Trump administration who put on steel import uh, limitations, quotas, and tariffs from uh, North Korea and from even Europe because they were flooding the United States with uh, cheap steel that meant we were dependent upon them. Uh, we were uh, militarily dependent upon uh, their steel. We were economically dependent upon them. It was slowing down our growth. So uh, Trump is the one who had the right policies. And as we know, after all these many years, that the Biden administration didn't really do anything but remove tariffs uh, that had been placed on China because we were too dependent on our manufacturing processes in China, and Trump was trying to bring that back to the United States. It was clearly the Obama-Biden administration period of time, those eight years, when we were outsourcing everything to China and giving up our own independence on, on manufacturing drugs. If people in this audience remember, when Trump campaigned in 2016 to bring manufacturing back, Obama said, what's he going to do, wave a magic wand? Well, I guess he did wave a magic wand because manufacturing uh, started to come back in very heavy doses. Now that process has pretty much slowed down with the Biden administration. So Biden really all he did was change the topic and answer his question, ignore the question, as a classic politician does. The classic politician says, if you don't like the question, answer another one to your benefit. Trump doesn't know enough to do that because he's not a classic politician. He tries to answer the question, and he answers the question typically in policy and financial terms, which obviously did not resonate enough with the people out there. So when you look back at this kind of a debate, clearly Trump is not a good debater in reaching out to people and affecting them. He's winning debate points on policy and finances, and ultimately that affects the individual a lot more than just Biden's talking about them and doing things ultimately when he gets in power that hurts people. I want to wrap this up this segment by letting Trump explain, as he did during the debate, the things that he's done against China. Now, I had to pare this down because the moderator kept interrupting Trump and dismissing his comments. So I had to cut her out in order to get to the actual meat of what he said, which was the absolute truth. So let's listen uh, to President Trump and what he did make China pay. I just gave $28 billion to our farmers. Taxpayers' China, money. It's what? Taxpayers' money. Didn't no, come no, from yeah, China. you know the taxpayers, it's called China. China Not paid true. $28 billion, and you know what they did to pay it, Joe? They devalued their currency, and they also paid up. And you know who got the money? Our farmers, our great farmers, because they were targeted. You never charged them anything. Also, I charged them 25% on dumped steel because they were killing our steel industry. We were not going to have a steel industry. Okay. And now we have a steel okay. industry. Okay. Vice President Biden, your response, please. Notice how the commentator continued to interrupt even at the end. The one piece I left in just to prove my point that President Trump is listing out the things that he did against China. So there was no connection. He's not showing any favoritism towards China. He was making them pay billions of dollars, and then he was uh, using that money uh, to help the farmers who were losing some of the previous exports that they had. And Joe Biden says, no, that's 
That's taxpayer money. No, it was new money generated from tariffs. And then he says not true. But he's never challenged by the uh, moderator for that. They just try to cut Trump off very quickly so that Biden can give some sort of a a political response. Uh, That's what's happening. Let's take a quick break. I want to come back and wrap this up because I find it personally, and I hope you do as well, listening to this fascinating to take this look back in time and try to see how these politicians answered their questions and doing a retrospect, not just a, a spin room analysis, but actually what they were saying versus what they actually did. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and the final segment for this week's program. Let's continue this discussion of looking at the 2020 presidential debate between uh, current President Joe Biden and former President um, Donald Trump. We may very well see this combination again for 2024. We're not sure, but it's fascinating to look back to see how truthful politicians were, how they answered questions, what they've done in retrospect, given some insights on what they said they were going to do versus what actually has occurred. And with President Trump, what he said was likely to happen um, if Biden was elected and then what we actually have seen with Biden's election. So let's focus this last segment, at least start this last segment. We're talking about the economics of the uh, the country. Clearly, the questions in the 2020 election actually didn't even talk about the issues that we're facing today that have been created to a large degree by the policies of the Biden administration. There's no discussion of food prices, of gasoline prices, of inflation, of high interest rates, of a pending uh, recession in this country, of the war in Ukraine, of the conflicts that are rising up with China, of the partnership that seems to be developing between China and Russia and the new economic order that's being developed by using the yuan instead of the dollar for international trade that's going on, that China has promoted that to undermine the value of the U.S. dollar as the global currency. None of that was discussed here. So it's clear that the issues of the time is not always the problem of what we're going to have to deal with and face, although the moderator tries to make it as, okay, how are you going to deal with this as we go forward? New issues come up. So what you really want to do is you want to elect the person with the greatest insights and foresight and looking ahead to policies and issues. So let's take a look at economics and what uh, President Trump said would happen if Biden is elected. And then we'll hear what Biden says about the economics that have been created, the growth in the economy and in the wealth that was generated for not just uh, the wealthy, but throughout the economy with lower interest rates and 
improving the economy and the value that's been created from 401k plans to businesses prospering with uh, the greater growth that was created, the unemployment rates being down across the country in every category. You can look at every demographic category. So let's listen to what Trump's prediction is if Biden is elected. If he's elected, the stock market will crash. When Trump made that comment, the moderator tried to cut him off. I want you to listen to how she cut him off about one of the most important predictions uh, about the economy, because she doesn't believe it. She doesn't recognize it. So she tries to cut him off. Just listen to this. Okay, let's move on to the next question very quickly. So the moderator tries to cut him off, doesn't let him answer, but she immediately turns to Biden uh, to give a response on the economy and his view of things like the stock market and individual wealth and uh, the growth of the economy in the United States under Trump. Listen to what Biden now says uh, his perspective is on things like the stock market going up. And then we'll listen to Trump's counter to that. The idea that the stock market is booming is his only measure of what's happening. Where I come from in Scranton and Claymont, the people don't live off of the stock market. Just in the, uh, just in the last three uh, three years during this crisis, the, the billionaires in this country made, according to the Wall Street, $700 billion more dollars. $700 billion more dollars. Because that's his only measure. What happens to the ordinary people out there? What happens to them? Since economics and the growth of the economy is probably the number one issue that uh, Trump has benefited individuals, their 401k plans, their security of their job, their growth in their um, uh, job prospects, all that is happening because the companies are doing well. But listen to this next segment again, how the moderator jumps in. She doesn't want to talk about the economy because that's pro-Trump, if you will. She wants to try to interfere and interrupt a discussion of the good parts that have been going on in the economy. Just listen to this and recognize that this is supposedly an unbiased uh, debate, but you've got a very liberal uh, moderator trying to control uh, the issues, let Biden get away with distortions and lies, and she cuts off Trump when he's making points that are beneficial uh, to his uh, re-election. Let's talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill. We're, we're going to move on. 401ks are through the roof. We're going to move on. stock are through the roof. Right. And he doesn't come from Scranton. That's like one of the, He lived there for a short period gonna, of time before okay, he even knew we're gonna it. We're going to move on to the next question. And the people of Pennsylvania Let me move on to my that. next question, they gentlemen. Not only did the debate moderator interrupt Trump continuously throughout, and I've cut out most of the interruptions because I wanted you to hear the words directly from President Trump and now President Biden. But the media can control the dialogue, the debate, the discussion to a large extent by the questions they ask. Now, since she interrupted him as he was trying to talk about the benefits of a growing economy and lower unemployment, uh, she's now going to ask a very biased question of President Trump. Now, yes, the economy was down when this was going on because of COVID. We had to shut down the entire economy that he was protecting with some of his his policies to in, put money into the hands of businesses uh, to keep them going while they were being forced to shut down by the U.S. government due to the China virus, the COVID virus that came over. But now she takes that and presents as, as if it was his entire administration of four years when the reality is that the economy was booming under President Trump, lowest unemployment for minorities and women and Asians and 
every category you could think it was the lowest. But listen to this question, and this shows the bias of the media and any kind of a of a debate that people might want to hear and how they control things. As of tonight, more than 12 million people are out of work. And as of tonight, 8 million more Americans have fallen into poverty and more families are going hungry every day. Those hit hardest are women and people of color. They see Washington fighting over a relief bill. Mr. President, why haven't you been able to get them the help they need? 30 seconds here. Now, listen to Trump's answer and again, how the moderator interrupts and tries to make him at fault for things that are being controlled by the Democrats in the House and Nancy Pelosi. So listen to how biased the media is. They just don't know how to prevent it from coming out in their questions and their interruptions and the way that they go between the President Trump and a Democrat challenger in Joe Biden. Just listen to the bias here that comes out. Because Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to approve it. I do. But you're the president. I do, but I still have to get. Nancy Pelosi doesn't want to approve anything. Nancy Pelosi does not want to approve it. We are ready, willing, and able to do something. Don't forget, we've already approved three plans, and it's gone through, including the Democrats, in all fairness. This one she doesn't want. It's near the election because she thinks it helps her politically. So the moderator really didn't ask why the House of Representatives is holding things up for political reasons. They don't want to make Trump look too good before the election. But she never really comes back against the Democrats and accepts um, uh, mealy mouth responses from Joe Biden that he's actually doing something and he's actually working towards getting a, a similar bill passed. But, of course, a similar bill, as we'll listen to Trump's response uh, to those kinds of uh, distortions uh, of how the money is just a bailout of blue state um, politics and excessive spending just to uh, be a payoff to the Democrats if uh, they were to pass the Democratic bill that was proposed instead of actually helping people uh, with the recovery from the COVID type economy shutdowns that we had. That was passed in the House was a bailout of badly run, high crime, Democrat all run by Democrats, cities and states. It was a way of getting a lot of money, billions and billions of dollars to these kids. It was also a way of getting a lot of money from our people's pockets to people that come into our country illegally. We were going to take care of everything for them. And what that does, and I'd love to do that, I'd love to help them, but what that does, everybody all over the world will start pouring into our country. We can't do it. This was a way of taking care of them. This was a way of spending on things that had nothing to do with COVID, as per your question. But it was really a big bailout for badly run Democrat cities and states. Now, in that interchange, we actually had the best insight as to the disaster that the Biden administration was ultimately are going to bring upon the American people. The American Rescue Plan, as Trump properly described it, was billions, actually it turned out to be more than a trillion dollars and trillions of dollars that were spent on a failing Democratic-run cities and states and also the liberal organizations, the non-for-profits, the colleges, the universities that ultimately got passed because in those next two years, Biden as president, the Senate was held by the Democrats and the House was retained by the Democrats. So Trump was not right when he thought during this debate that the Republicans would win the House. Unfortunately, they did not. And the Democrats were able to pass without any Republican support these massive spending bills that not only created inflation, but the money was wasted on liberal states 
that would not take the right kinds of actions to control crime and to get their own economics in place. So we spent trillions of dollars instead of on infrastructure, as it was sort of proposed at one point, that this is what the benefit was going to be. It was spent on liberal, ideological, far-left, green energy policies as well as bailing out states and cities that were so improperly run uh, they never should have gotten the money. They should have been put on a diet of their wasteful spending and get their corruption and their crime in order, as Trump was suggesting. But that's not what happened. But that was the most important question, the most important dialogue, looking back at it as that we could see how the Biden administration was ultimately going to be run and how their economics was ultimately going to play out to the detriment of the American people by creating this enormous inflation with wasted government spending. Now, we also, from this question, have generated a good economic discussion. Let's listen to Biden's philosophy on federal expenditures for local and state-generated problems, how he is promising, typically of Democrats, of putting more and more money in the system. And ultimately, as we know today, after only a little over two years, the federal debt has gone up more than Nine trillion dollars, nine trillion dollars under the Biden administration. And we are in desperate financial shape with high inflation and a very poor economy going into a recession. Just listen to the Biden philosophy on economics. Every single state out there finds themselves in trouble. They're going to start laying off, whether they're red or blue, cops, firefighters, first responders, because teachers, because they have to balance their budget. And the founders were smart. They allowed the federal government to deficit spend to compensate for the United States of America. Well, listeners out there, there you have it. Joe Biden promised that he would deficit spend to whatever it takes to bail out local state governments, local cities, um, local communities, counties, whatever, with federal spending. He sees federal deficit spending as a good thing, uh, not a dangerous thing, and he has certainly lived up to that part. So in any future debate, I think we need to have a real discussion on the economics and the philosophies of the candidates uh, that would actually affect us on the unknown futures that they're going to have to face and the way they're going to govern, not on the petty things that might be uh, of immediate issue uh, about the um, governance or the what the media wants to talk about, but there are issues that are going to come up of uncertainty. And so the general philosophy of governance, of general philosophy of economics, the general philosophy of foreign policy ought to be the focus, in my opinion, uh, if we go through uh, more of these debates in the future. I also think Republicans need to understand Democrats are going to be talking about people and the impact on them, not necessarily telling the truth, but reaching out with comments that people can hear and understand that they're concerned about people, even if their policies hurt people. They're talking the right language where the Republicans talk about policy and finances and expect the people to make that connection, and not that many people necessarily do. So be aware, debates among presidential candidates and others are valuable and important for all of us to listen to, but it's also fascinating to look back and see what insights we can gain uh, from when they actually turn into uh, the elected officials and they do things that we did not expect, but they were out and open about it, um, somewhat covered in their language, but they're telling us what it is that they're going to do. Well, join us again next week 
for Healthcare Insight on America's Web Radio. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to uh, bringing more information like this to you in future weeks. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.